0: Four eight nine with Denise Duffield-Thomas, we are talking all about business, how to start your dream business, money, money blocks, hiring your dream team, imposter syndrome, and so much more. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, and Comparisonitis. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating I'm so excited about this episode because I have the beautiful Denise Duffield Thomas back on for another episode. And for those of you that have never heard of Denise, she is a money mentor for a new wave of online entrepreneurs who want to make money and change the world. She helps women charge premium prices, release the fear of money and create a first class life. Her books, Get Rich Lucky Bitch and Chillpreneur, gives a fresh and funny roadmap to living a life of abundance without burnout. Her money boot camp has helped over 6,000 students from all over the world. She says that she is a lazy introvert, a Hay House author and an unbusy mum of three. She owns a rose farm and lives by the beach in beautiful Australia. For everything that we mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 489. Now, let's bring on the incredible Denise Duffield Thomas. Denise, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here again. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for
1: breakfast this morning? Oh, I had fried eggs on toast with spinach and avocado and a chamomile tea. Oh, I am
0: obsessed with tea at the moment. Absolutely obsessed with herbal teas. So I hear your sister. So I'm so excited to have you back. This is your second time on the show and you were back on episode 211, which is just wild. And the title of that episode was Why You Don't Have the Wealth that You Want and What to Do About It. And we spoke a lot about money blocks and how to release them. We spoke about the delegation myths in our business. We spoke about self-sabotage, upgrading our mindset, comparisonitis, and so much more. Wow, we covered a lot. We literally covered a lot. It is (laughs) such a good episode, truly. And I want to encourage everyone to go back and listen to that episode because you'll hear more about Denise's story. And we dive really deep into money blocks, which a lot of us have. And sometimes they're inherited, sometimes they're borrowed. And it's really important that if we want the wealth and the business of our dreams, that we have to look at these blocks that are in our way and release them so that we can have that. So, you and I have been, you know, in each other's orbit for a very long time. I remember that I had, you know, seen you online, but the first time I ever actually connected with you in person was at Marie Folio's Rich Happy and Hot Live in 2012. And I remember Marie asked questions and you stood up and you asked a question. And I was like, there's another Aussie in the room. And this was in New York. And I was like, wow, there's another Australian here. And so that was like my first time where I ever actually connected with you in person. And so we've been in, in each other's orbit for so long. And I've loved watching your growth and your evolution with your business and the success that has come with that. And then also personally, but I want to kick things off from the top by starting with where do we start a business? How do we start a business? How do we know what the right businesses for us to start? I get this question a lot. Yes, I have people say to me, I am multi-passionate. I love yoga. I love knitting. I love this.
1: So many different things. How do I know which one to hone in on? Yes. Great question. Well, the overarching answer to that is know thyself and prosper, right? That's what I always talk about. Know thyself know who you are, what motivates you, what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are. And it's amazing that you mentioned that event, the Rich, Happy and Hot event in New York, because I'm an introvert. So one of the tricks that I do, to well, that I, I have is when I'm at an event, I always ask the first question. I always put my hand up and ask the first question because I know that it's really out of my comfort zone, but also it's a really great way to introduce myself to the whole space without having to stress about doing a lot of networking. And it's just a little trick that I've taught myself to do at those big events because I'm an introvert, right? And so it's knowing all of the aspects of your personality and finding ways to prosper, finding ways to make it feel easier than, it, you know, that can be, but you have to be honest with yourself, right? And so if you know that you're someone who changes your mind a lot, then you wouldn't sell a program that's teaching one thing for 18 months, you know, or or locking yourself into like a long-term thing, which I see a lot of people do, right? Because often, especially if you're someone who gets excited about things, you're probably really good at selling them because people get excited by your excitement. And then they're like, oh, I'll do a year-long mastermind. And two months in, they're going, I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's finding the right business model that suits your personality. Um, And it's asking yourself these questions because some of those things we learn via painful trial and error, which I'm sure you have, I have as well. But some of those things we can ask ourselves to say, how would I like to work with clients? Um, do I like long-term or short-term commitments? Do I like in-depth or more kind of shallow interactions? And that helps you shake out a little bit. And your example of, of people who are saying, I like this and then I like that, well, what's the umbrella theme around that? And the umbrella theme could be creativity, that you're an ideas person. And so you create your business in a way that that lets you do little projects or um, multi things. But the theme that still runs through it is I'm a creative person. I'll bring all these cool creative ideas. I'll help you spark your imagination. Some days I'll do it like this and some days I'll do it like this. But rather than like going, now I'm a yoga teacher. This is the only thing I'm ever going to do. And without, you know, putting yourself into little boxes. So it really is this beautiful journey of self-exploration, but it's giving yourself permission To pivot and and make things easier for yourself. Mm, Absolutely. And taking into
0: consideration your personal life as well. So, not only your personality, like how do I like to work, but how much do I want to work? You know, you've got three children, your husband, you have so many different things going on. So, we've got to take that into consideration as well. Like, how much do you actually want to work?
1: Exactly. Like I um used to travel a lot more before kids. And it got to a point where I was like, this doesn't feel good for me at this particular point in my life. So that meant, great, I'll say no to speaking gigs that, you know, are too far away. And and that is a permission thing too, right? To say, you know, it's it doesn't work for me in this phase of life. And I noticed when, when my husband came into the business, he was like, Oh, We should do a mastermind. People would love to do a mastermind with you. And I remember thinking, yeah, I mean, I I hear that all the time. But I was like, at this phase in my life with young children, I cannot hold the space for people in that way. Doesn't mean I can't do it in the future. But it was just a really empowering decision to just go, doesn't work for me in this phase of life. And similarly, we were talking about, you know, before we hit record that, you know, some people have chronic illnesses. And that would, you know, make sure that they have to put a business model in place that means they don't have to always be on or they might have caring responsibilities or you might want to take time off and go traveling and you don't want to have to be, you know, make sure that you've got perfect Wi-Fi while you're traveling, you know, the pain of that, right? where you're like, oh my God, I'm in a new place and do I have the good Wi-Fi? It's like set your business model up for success and for flexibility for what is going on for you, what is true for you. And nothing has to be set in stone. You can totally shift and change as you get more information. And as you, I think as you just give yourself permission, and I want to give a really specific example of this, because I think it's just such a perfect, perfect thing. I had an astrology reading with somebody and it was over Skype chat. And I remember thinking, wow, this is so interesting. Like We're not you know, it's not audio, it's not video, it's typing. And I'm a really fast typer, and, and she was a really fast typer too. And so it was one of the best astrology readings I had ever had. But and it just got me thinking, I was like, I wonder if she really second guessed that of going, No, it has to be like this. You know, no one will pay for it like this. And I actually preferred it. And then you think of how many businesses and how many people you probably heard of too, pre-pandemic, who were like, my clients would never do this online, you know? And then we had friends who were naturopaths who had to learn how to do things online and, you know, every industry possible. And it's really questioning, hang on, what would work for me? Because if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't have longevity and you can't help anyone anyway. So we sometimes think, oh no, it has to be this way because that's how people want it from me instead of realizing, actually, there are so many ways you can deliver Pretty much anything and you can choose. Yes, I love
0: that. And you can pivot and you can change your mind this afternoon if you want to. And that's the beauty of having your own business. I was in a very similar situation a couple of years ago. I had set up a mastermind. I had started making a few sales. I just started promoting it. And then I woke up one morning and I was like, no, no, I can't do this. Like, And my husband was like, why? And I'm like, I can't explain it. It's just a no for right now. And I had to close it down and refund the people. And I just had to be really honest with them. And I think it's really important in business to allow yourself to pivot if it doesn't feel good for you, because if it doesn't feel good for you,
1: everyone will pick up on that. Absolutely. And it won't have longevity. It really won't. And so You know, I see people sometimes too, especially the multi passionate ideas people, and I'm like, great, create little courses and then you can move on. But the problem is when we're in the unhelpful side of our personalities, then they're half finishing things and then moving on, or they're selling things and then changing their mind and feeling like failures. And if you can set your business up so you don't feel like a failure, so you know that you're helping people in whatever way feels good to you then that's only going to grow and expand. Yeah, absolutely. And there's infinite
0: possibilities. You know, there's infinite possibilities. And the biggest block that we have is what I call your inner mean girl. You know, that's Mm. the biggest block. Like you have such a successful business. Your programs are thriving and changing so many lives. You have three beautiful children, your husband who's in the business, you have multiple houses. Like, People could look at you and go, okay, overnight success, even though we know that there's no such thing (laughs) and it looks easy
1: for her, but let's just clarify that. Is it easy? Yeah, that's a great question because I don't think people believe that other people have imposter syndrome. We only think that we ourselves have it. And I still have so much imposter syndrome all the time about being a writer or Am I doing enough? Am I helping people enough? Am I giving enough? That always comes up for me too. It's definitely not easy going all the time working with your partner either. That can be very challenging because we've got our own personalities that we bring to that. But I I think there is that sense that we are who we are and then somewhere out there is this perfect version of us who is really confident, really good with money and, you know, just perfect in every way, instead of realizing that you can be exactly yourself with more money and success, and it doesn't really change who you are. And then the quicker we can integrate those two selves, the quicker that we see success, really, because you have to have so much compassion for yourself to to realize that you're not perfect and yet move forward anyway. And I think that's what I've always been really good at. I've just kind of gone, Well, that didn't work, but I'm moving forward anyway. And that doesn't mean that I'm perfect in any way, shape or form, or that I have a perfect life, even though I, you know, I'm very privileged and and grateful for the abundance I have in my life. But I want everyone to hear that the fear never truly goes away and the imposter syndrome never truly goes away. And that inner mean girl, I still have an inner mean girl that tells me I'm not good enough or that I haven't given enough. That's always my thing. Or that people will think I'm too big for my boots. And um, I actually had a photo shoot this week with this beautiful business in Sydney called Sherbet Birdie. I don't know if you've seen them on Instagram and they do these amazing styled shoots and they're incredibly creative women. And at the moment they're doing um, Marie Antoinette themed shoots and they're amazing. And I was just watching all the behind the scenes of how they put the costumes and the set together and all that kind of stuff. And one of my friends had a shoot and she said it was really fun. And I was like, oh, okay, I've got to do it. And I nabbed the last, one of the last. Things for the year and I actually was really struggling in it because I was dressed up so fancy and so you know it was really gorgeous and I was like I don't feel like I can share these I don't feel like you know I was like people are gonna think that I'm too big for my boots or that you know I'm up myself or whatever and that literally just happened on Tuesday a couple of days ago and I was so nervous and I was like oh is it you know, is it a bit on the nose dressing up as Marie Antoinette when there's so much income inequality in the world at the moment? I was like, really psyching myself out of it. And so I understand, you know, there are people listening who they don't want to put out their very first blog post or their very first social media post because of those same feelings. People are going to think I'm up myself or too big for my boots or they're going to think I'm bragging if I share a success. And that will continue. (laughs) I don't know if that's good news or bad news, (laughs) those
0: feelings. Yes. I think, yeah, it'll continue. So how do we move past it? Like, what do you do? Is it as simple as you feel the fear and do it anyway? You know, where you get to that point where you're just like, yeah, okay, that imposter syndrome's there, but I'm going to do it anyway.
1: Yeah, I think so. But also I feel like I love being transparent with my numbers, with my success, and I always have. And so I feel like if I just tell the truth, then if whatever anyone thinks about that it's still my truth that's why I don't mind sharing my tax returns and things like that because I think well it's true it's true whether you like it or not I'm just sharing the truth I feel like that helps sometimes with your imposter syndrome because then you can go well it's okay if people like it or not like it but it's tr- it's true for me and it might help somebody and I think not feeling like you have to put yourself on a pedestal you know you and I are both published authors. I see your book all the time in bookstores and I'm always, because when I go with my kids, I always go, oh, that's one of mummy's friends. And that's one of mummy's friends because, you know, we know so many authors now and we know that we're just all normal people, right? But there's something there where we still think that other people have got it all together. And, you know, I know writing books is, it is a big imposter syndrome thing, but you have to just go, well, someone's going to be helped by this information.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, the more that we can just feel that and let that go, and the quicker we can do it, the better. I love how transparent you are with your numbers and everything. I love that so much. That's something that draws me to you even more. And even though, you know, I hear this a lot. We all know that social media is the highlight reel. We all know that. Yet, you know, literally someone said to me yesterday, they sent me a voice message and this is like a friend of mine, like not, not a super close friend. And I shared a podcast episode and in this episode, I shared a very vulnerable story. And she said to me, oh, you know, even though I know you, and even though I know that social media is the highlight reel, like it still was really nice to hear you share that story. Even though I know that your life isn't perfect. And I'm like, of course it's not like quote unquote perfect, but No matter what, I think social media has, it has this way of like alluring us into these ideal and perfect lives that don't exist.
1: And we have to remember that, that it is the highlight reel. It is. And I think also on the other side of it too, you don't have to share everything online either because I think sometimes we do go in swings and roundabouts, right, in social media where it's like share everything and then it's like, you know, share the the good stuff or share whatever or do this trend. And I realised for myself, I'm like there's some things that I don't want to share on social media and not everyone's entitled to every part of your life and you're allowed to keep things just for yourself as well. You know, there's sometimes an expectation that, I don't know, that we'll share absolutely everything and like there's a lot of things I don't talk about. And you can choose, though, that's the message. You can choose. The other thing that I do is I do batch a lot of my social media. And so I go through stages, probably in my cycle or in the month, where I think, I'm just going to burn my whole business down. I never want to do anything again, you know. And I'm grateful for myself that was in a good state of mind to create things that were useful for people. And so then they're just merrily you know, being rolled out. And then when people respond, I can respond to them. And I'm like, oh, okay, I feel good about my business again. But I think sometimes if I just only did stuff when I felt like it, there would be definitely times throughout the month where I just want to burn everything down.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, totally. So you've been in business since 2010. Talk to us about what you would do differently now, like knowing everything that you know now what are some of the core things that you would do differently if you
1: were to start all over again? Yeah, well, I did. um, I would say even though I started full-time in in 2010, I was trying to find my thing for at least eight years, I think. So my first ever e-product was an e-book in 2003 called Internet Dating Tips for Men. And it was, it was because I was in my, you know, early twenties, I was living in London and I went, I'm going to do internet dating. And of course I did it in a very Denise Virgo way, which I had a system for it. You know, like I contacted a hundred guys and I had like copy and paste responses. And then I went on mini dates and I batched the mini dates up. I had like a whole system for it without even really, you know, thinking about it because I was a marketing student. So I was like, I'm going to do it like a marketing campaign. And I was like, wow, everyone's so bad with internet dating. So I'm going to write a book for them. And I think really, that's what I've always been kind of good at is going, I see a problem, here's a solution. And I feel like that is a lot of our early business ideas, you know, and it might not be the one forever, because it definitely wasn't for me, you know, and then I had another business where I got really into raw food for a while. And I used a raw food diet to kind of get ready for my wedding. And so I wrote a book about that too. And I think just sometimes it's really good just to have that kind of beginner's mindset of just going, I'll just try it and see if it works. And that's kind of what I was doing. And I remember like 20, sorry, 2009, I went to Allie Brown's event. So Allie Brown was the first female millionaire that I'd ever seen in real life. And I'd been going to these business events and I'd be the only woman in the room. You know, I was in my 20s, so I was the youngest person in the room and I was just like, I just don't think there's a place here for me in this entrepreneurial online world. So I think my first tip is that you have to be surrounding yourself with people who are in that game that you want to be in because it became normalised for me after I saw Allie Brown and I, I was like, wow, she was a millionaire by 35. I want to be a millionaire by 35. I was like, look at all these other women. It just opened my eyes to what was possible, and that is the crucial step. And you know, you and I were in groups together, and I remember our friend Leonie Dawson, who said I made. I think she said she made, I don't know, three thousand dollars or something, or something like that, or it was something big. And I remember it saying, Mark, come and have a look at this, like. I know her, like, look at what she's made. I think it was 30,000 or something like that in a month. And I remember just going, is that possible for me too? So it's not like I would do that differently because it unfolded in the perfect time for me. But if I had met women like that much earlier in my journey, I wouldn't have spent eight years kind of going in and out of the corporate world because I would have just gone, but there is a world and it is real and look at all these people so that's the most crucial thing i think the other thing is you can't think of success in a linear way and i see people ask this question all the time how long does it take how long does it take to get to six figures how long does it take for you to get seven figures because we think of it in this linear sense like it's a university course or an apprenticeship that is like do 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 and you can collapse that time frame if you want to but if you're doing income producing activities right you know if you are a coach or a health coach you like go out and speak to 30 people give 30 sessions away for free you could do that in 5 years or you can do it in 3 weeks if you want to but that motion will create forward motion and so you can't really look at other people's time frames and go oh okay that's my time frame because it really doesn't matter to do the things that count to be able to help people and make more money. Absolutely. Anything else that you would do or recommend mm. for people starting out? Um yeah, my first year I just said yes to everything. You know, and I think Everything will scare you in the first year, right? The first interview you do or the first time you interview someone else or the first time you do a live webinar, all of those things are so scary the first time, but they won't be, you know, you do them again and again. And I think um, the advice that I got from that Allie Brown conference, actually, back in 2009, is that she said, send a newsletter every week without fail. And I did, and I still do. (laughs) you know, how many ever years later. And I think though, I see people go, well, I'll wait till I have an audience to send out the newsletter, you know, and you go, no, do it every week without fail, because you'll have to create content for that. You'll develop your voice. You will, people will start to share your stuff and that's how you build the audience. So I sent that newsletter out as if it was going out to, you know, tens of thousands of people and it took a while for that to happen, but I did it anyway. And I think that's that persistence mindset. You don't have to be the best, but you do just have to just go, I'm just going to, I'm going to do it and trust that it will lead somewhere because it will. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I love this. And I want to know as well, you know, there's this misconception that like, you know, maybe people will look at you or I and go, yeah, she must've done all those courses at the start. And you're now, she's just like sitting back and kicking back and just, you know, Launching her programs, but you're still going to the seminars, you're still learning, you're still growing. And I think this is a really important piece that we're always learning and growing and evolving, not just in our business, but with our health and with our relationships and with parenting, every area. And so I want everyone to kind of understand a bit about your growth mindset. What do you do to grow? Are you in a mastermind? Are you reading books
1: every week? Do you have mentors? Oh, great question. Yeah. I mean, that is so important, right? Having people in your corner. So, I do have a lot of groups that I'm a part of that are kind of peer led masterminds at the moment, where we um, meet up a couple of times a year. And I find that that has been crucial in just being with people at your business level to see what's possible, but also to get out of your bubbles. You know, every time I meet up with those groups, People will go, Oh, have you seen this chick who's doing this, this, and this? She's really famous. She's like doing, you know, 30 million. And half of us are like, No, who is that? And you just realize you start to become in your own little bubbles and you think that's the world. You know, you're just like, Oh, but this is it. So that's really important. I'm also doing a writing course at the moment as a student to learn how to write a memoir because I don't know how to do that. So that's been a really interesting experience too, being. Like literally a student in there and not knowing what I'm doing. That's been really fun, and I still buy courses all the time too. You know, like I'll I just bought a a reels course because I don't know how to do reels. You know, and I think too, what's what's really cool now is that there are so many shortcuts to success. You know, I really feel like when we started, we did kind of have to just kind of learn to do things ourselves, you know, like even I had to build my own first website because there just wasn't the drag and drop things. And so you can learn anything, you know, you, you really can. But actually someone said something to me recently. She goes, oh, I was at a conference with you and you were sitting in the front row and you were taking lots of notes. And I was really surprised because I thought, you know, like, well, you're really successful. What could you possibly be learning? And I'm like, but there's so much to learn, you know, like I think there's always stuff to learn about The basics, you know, like storytelling and things like that, we always need to hear the basics of what marketing is and how to connect with people, no matter what the technology is. And also we need to hear from, you know, people who've come in and really embraced something that's new and to learn from them. Because if you're like a TikTok coach, that didn't exist. So you are an expert. You know, and it means too. If you're if you're new in business, you can leapfrog to whatever is the what's happening now. Sometimes people who've been around for a long time, it's hard for us to shift technology, or it's hard for us to shift systems because we're so embedded in it, right? And it's so cool if you're new, you can just go, well, "What's what's happening right now?" and you can become an expert in things very quickly because you're nimble.
0: Yes, absolutely. I love that. And, you know, a lot of people could look at you and I and they think that it's just us running the show, right? But that's not the case. We have teams. So tell us who's in your team and how you hire epic teammates because this is such an important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, I would not be able to do what I do without my team. And sure, maybe I would be able to do it eventually, but it would take me a lot longer, especially having a toddler. It would take me a lot longer, and I'd probably eventually get there, but you know, it might take me a lot longer. So, talk to us about who is currently in your team like today. Yep. How you hire? Like what's your process for hiring epic staff? Because I've had awesome people in my team and then I've had people that we've had to let go.
1: So I'd love to know your process. Yes. Well, I actually got to a million dollars with just me and a part-time assistant. And that was pre-kids though, because I could kind of just do a bit of everything. And that is my personality where I'm like, I can be a bit like that. I've always preferred to work by myself. And also I've been someone who is like, oh, it's quicker to do it myself. You know, when you're like that, it's like, it's just easier to do it myself, and that's not the smartest way to be. So, when I tell people that and say, "Yeah, I got two million dollars with me and an assistant," I was pretty, I was pretty tired though, <laughs> and no I kids, really and no kids, so I could just, you know, work really long hours and whatever. So, actually, when I got pregnant with my first baby, I was about thirty-three. I was like, "Oh, I need to learn how to be a CEO now because I can't do everything myself," and also. I want to just make sure that I don't destroy this thing that I've built. So my philosophy on hiring is always looking at, looking at your life holistically and seeing what's, what doesn't work for you or what's outside of your zone of genius. So my very first hire was customer service because that really stressed me out every time someone would send me an email, I felt like I was carrying around this little pebble around all day and then more pebbles and more pebbles. And I'd be just like, oh, I can't help you with that broken link. And I would just feel so overwhelmed. So that was my first hire. My second hire was bookkeeping because that really stressed me out. And so that's my philosophy always in hiring is what's the thing that stresses you out first, take care of those things. And then you look at what things could be preventing me from making money if I only had somebody you know, to help me. And so sometimes people have got like a course that's 80% ready, but they just can't do the tech or they just can't connect the payment systems or they, you know, can't do the editing or just those last little bits just to get it over the line. That's then who you should hire next. And then you look at what could optimize. So once we'd kind of taken care of the stressful things and then like the, these are things that stopping me from just making money with my own ideas and stuff. Then we looked at what we could optimize. And it was only then that we started looking at Facebook ads or, you know, how could we get community support to help me in the groups, you know, things like that, that would just kind of expand things. So I would say I'm super lucky that my husband's in the business because, you know, as you know, when you're working with your partner, yes, it's very challenging in a lot of ways, but everything you do is for you and your family. You know, and so I couldn't hire the level of dedication that Mark brings to the business. So he does all of our launch logistics. He's our launch manager, I would guess you would say, and he manages our team. So we have about six people in like varying roles. Our main assistant, she does all of our like, you know, little tech stuff and she's a bit of a jack of all trades. You know, she does our customer service and she can do a bit of graphics and she can do a bit of everything. And then we'll have people that come in to help us with community support, which is a really big thing for us now that our groups are so big. We've had different people come in and help us with like the podcast or, you know, things like that. And I'd still say it is a pretty lean team for the size of our business because I'm always looking at what can we just let go of completely? What can we automate? What could we batch? What could we outsource to an expert for a very short project? And then then we hire. And that's just my personality. I think everyone's got to do it in a way that works for them. But my other secret to that is I feel like my home team is just as important as my business team because having three kids, two dogs, you know, as you said, multiple houses, like if I had to do all of the things myself, it would very quickly drain my energy for business. So I don't do laundry. I don't cook either. Not my thing. So we outsource a lot of that. We have a daily housekeeper. We even have people to help us walk our dogs when we're busy. You know, all of those things I think are just as important for me as, as business because I really still could do everything in my business myself if I had to. But laundry just really stresses me out and doesn't make me any money. So that's an easy thing for me to outsource. But I, I feel like it's just as important as anything in my business.
0: Yes, and I love that you look at it holistically because, yeah, there's, there's people that there's a lot of women, listening to this that are doing that dance between entrepreneurship and mum life. And then there's women that are listening that are solely entrepreneurs and then they're solely mummers. And when you have chosen to sit in the camp that you and I sit in, which is to do that dance between the two, you do have to look at everything holistically. and you do have to delegate as much as you can, you have to ask for support, get really good at asking for support from, you know, your neighbor or your parents or, you know, like you said, cooking or cleaning or whatever it is, the more that we get okay with asking for support and receiving it, whether it's in our business or in our personal life, the better. You know, Because I see a lot of women that they can either ask, but then they can't receive. They are really uncomfortable receiving.
1: So what True. advice would you have for that? <laughs> well, I was listening to a podcast the other day with um, the actress Charlize Theron. And she was saying the same thing too. She was saying, There's, I could not do my job as an, an actor, producer without my mum. She's saying like, my mum is my co-parent. Like I could not do this without her. And it just shows like no matter how much money you have, you know, it's like you, you do need to be able to have help and support to do this role. But I would say to mums who are listening, who do have business dreams and you're thinking, but I don't have the money, Denise, to do the things then you have to be even more boundaryed and realize you can't do everything in your business all at once and all by yourself and sometimes that means making those decisions to say you know I can only do this thing this is how I'm going to serve my community and so I'm going to serve the world and not try and spread yourself too thin because you're just gonna feel horrible you know you'll feel like a failure and that might mean disappointing people, that might mean saying no to things or saying no to opportunities that you really want to do, but it's just not the time. And be really focused on those income producing activities, because then, then you can afford more help. And then you can afford maybe some more childcare or someone to help you in the business. And it will be so worth it to do it. But, you know, it's unfortunate that sometimes it is just that thing of like, then it's, you know, when the kids go to bed, that's when you do your work and it's not easy. So that's why you need the support around you as well, right? So if you had a business bestie who's in a similar situation, you know, I, I had that in the early days, we'd be we'd message each other and say, okay, we've, got, we've each got three things, like let's go away and do it and report back in an hour. That really helped because otherwise if you're doing it by yourself, no matter what your situation, you can feel so lonely and that's when people procrastinate or just psych themselves out because they have that imposter syndrome. And it's so, so worth it to do that work at the start.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so when you are hiring, what are you looking for? Do you get them to do human design and flippin or disc or all of these different personality tests? What do you get them to do? How do you
1: know that you've got a goodie? Well, I made a lot of mistakes around this. So I used to write a job description that sounded really cool to me. And then I would choose people to interview who had really cool applications. And then I'd have a really great conversation with them. And then I would have a really fun onboarding where I would tell them everything about how my business worked and they would all quit because I got, they got so excited that they wanted to start their own business. And because I was hiring mini-me's, I was hiring little Denise's who want to be their own boss, right? And really don't want to work for someone else. So that was the biggest mistake that I made. You know, it was very painful to do that. So I realized that I had to hire people who had opposite skills to me. And um, we used StrengthsFinder for that which is, you know, a personality test. And so I am futuristic, let's see, idea generator, you know, strategic, all those things. That, and if you look at them in the categories, they're all the, you know, strategy kind of things, ideas. And I really needed people who were like get things done type people <laughs> and like organized and methodical. And so once I realized that and looking at other personality tests like Colby as well. So I'm a nine quick start in Colby. If I hire other nine quick starts, we like just jump into things but we don't really think through, we don't have a lot of patience. So I used that to hire as well and I also used money archetypes to hire too because in money archetypes I'm a ruler, I'm a maverick, I'm a romantic and I actually needed some connector and nurturer energy especially in my customer service and community team of people who were a little bit slower, a little bit more thoughtful and helpful instead of me being quite impatient. And also I needed some accumulator energy. So accumulators are much more methodical, especially around money. So I needed some people on my team who could chase up payments and send invoices and make sure things happened you know, at the right time. So that was probably the biggest change. And also people would say to me, oh, you know, where do you find people? I've always been really lucky about finding people in my community. You know, whenever I've had a position, I've sent it out to my customers or I've sent them out to, you know, business groups that I'm a part of. And I've been incredibly lucky to find really great people since I started using personality tests, both write the job description, but also to evaluate who I actually need versus who I just like vibe with (laughs) on an interview. Yes,
0: so important because I have been exactly the same as you. I've done the exact same thing, written awesome job descriptions and then you have an awesome interview and I've been there. Like literally, I'm like, yes, I've done that many, many times. And then, yes, they want to go and create their own business and start their own thing, which is awesome. And I'm like, go for it. But that's not who I wanted to hire in my business in the first place. So I think personality tests are really great. I also love finding out what their human design is and also their astrology. I like finding that out when I'm looking for new teammates. I think it's really, really cool. Yeah, I love it. So tell me, Mark, your husband is in your business. When did he come
1: in? How long has he been in now? Oh, I think it's been about six years and he always worked in sports marketing before me. So he worked for Manchester United Football Club and then Newcastle Football Club here. And he really liked it as an industry, but it was it was very, very busy. And what was happening was we'd had our first baby and I'd be like, this doesn't work for me that you have zero flexibility. You know, I was like, I you know I was making a million dollars by then kind of thing. And I was like, dude, this is not cool that we can't like go to Bali or you know and sport is an industry that's on played on the weekends and I remember thinking like trying to plan our fertility around football
0: seasons
1: (laughs) to kind of go okay well are the Jets going to make it to the finals well they're not really great at the moment but if we get pregnant here you know at least we'll not be having a baby in final season ridiculous so it got to the point where I was like dude I, I don't think I can have a second baby with you in a 9 to 5 career it just just doesn't work for our family and you know we'd always had this dream of flexibility and freedom and that's why I've started this business and you know even in the early days he'd be like oh when you get to like half a million when you get to like a million and i'd be like i've done it it's time um and it really was just wanting that flexibility for us both but ha- actually for the first year he did um, his own stuff he was doing freelance sports marketing and it wasn't until our accountant mm-hmm. said like Denise's business is doing really, really well. Like, have you considered doing it with her? And I remember kind of going, oh, yeah, like, cool, but I didn't feel like I could say that Mm. to him. And actually, he had to go through his own journey of this because he was thinking, what am I going to tell people at barbecues that I do? He was so caught up in like, you know, I work in this really cool industry because people go, oh, my God, you work for a football club, so cool. And then kind of going, I'm going to work for my wife. And luckily, he has his own, you know, he's part of the mankind group. He has his men's groups. He goes to therapy. Like he had to go through his own process around that. And we still have clashes for sure. We still have power clashes. But it was such a good decision for our family to do it because then suddenly everything we did was in one direction. And I don't know if that's forever. You know, I feel like he would probably want to have a little bit more time in the spotlight in the future, but for now it has been a great decision for our family. And, you know, he does the school drop-off and pick-up every single day. Our kids have never not seen him in that role, even to the point once he got dressed up in a suit for something and the kids were like, what are you wearing? Like They were just like, because he just wears, you know, like, I don't know, yoga clothes, workout clothes every day. And they've just, yeah, they've just seen us having a business their whole lives so it's yeah it's been really great as I said not without challenges because I'm a manifester he's a projector you know we can totally have clashes around that and I'm in the process of learning more about that I've actually got a session with a projector human design person in like two weeks because I just want to be like how do I relate to him better you know how can I make this better but even just knowing our our Colby was really important, knowing our strengths from StrengthsFinder, knowing our money archetypes, that's been really helpful to you. I'm sure there
0: are, yes, so many pros and so many cons with working with your beloved. How do you guys switch off? Like, How do you not get into bed at night and go, so... Did you see in Kajabi that this happened or like, you know, this happened? We literally literally did
1: that last week. I was like, I was just about to drift off to sleep and I went, you know, that email that you're sending, did you make sure that um, that that link, (laughs) did you test the link before you send it to our assistant? But normally we don't. We, we're pretty good at that during launch times a little bit, but we're, we're much better at it. I would say though, like, it's really important for us. We watch Netflix before we go to bed. And that's really, that's helpful. We just watch like an hour and a half of something and we're both usually out of work mode and it's fine. But the other thing is, you know, we have other projects together. We have our, you know, the money mindset business together, but we have a rose farm together. We've just bought a bank with a business partner. And so I feel like we're just always in this ongoing conversation about at least one of our projects. And, and that's tricky. You know, we started to do a Wednesday date night where we go to the movies. Yeah. And also both of our personalities are, we love talking about money and business. So it's a, it's a fine line that we balance, but normally I wouldn't do the Kajabi conversation at 10 o'clock, but I literally did that last week. So (laughs) it was a good example. It's like, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But it's
0: like, you've just got to create some healthy boundaries, you know, and, and of course in launch mode, it's very different. We've just come off three weeks of launching Holy Mama, my new program. And so, yeah, there was, those boundaries were completely let down during that time. Um, First thing I'd do is wake up and go, yeah, did you add that link? Did you check that email? So I totally get it. And yes, in normal situations, like there's got to be some healthy boundaries and practicing
1: crystal clear communication. Exactly. And good work practices. You know, like I remember he would just text me stuff and I'd be like, send an email you know, or like um, he would send, you know, like a Word document and I'd be like, no, in our company, we do Google Docs. So we have version control, you know, like we make sure that we put things in Dropbox, you know, just little things like that make it easy. But that's how you're supposed to be with your team anyway, right? It just feels weird when it's your husband and you're like, you know, put that in my calendar if you want that to happen. Or he'd be like, have you recorded this thing? I'm like, put it in an email. Yeah, that's, it's tricky. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's wonderful as well. And it's wonderful for our kids to see that, you know, um, my daughter, she did a little bit of work for me. I was, had to do some stuff for the rose farm and I bought all these fake flowers for a photo shoot. Each one had a little tag on it. And so I said to her, you know, I'll pay you to sit and take those tags off. And then she had to invoice me and, you know, that sort of stuff. They just hear conversations about money and business all day long, really. And so I love that they can kind of be a part of it when I send out, you know, like welcome cards, they sit and stuff them, or the oldest one does, the youngest haven't started doing that yet, you know, putting stickers on things. I want them to feel like it's a family business and we all pitch in and, you know, we'll pay you for it, but this is what we do. And even the fact that they actually don't have a lot of separation anxiety, because even from a really young age, I'd be like, okay, mummy's going to the office, I've got a call, you know, and they've just always heard that language. Yeah, they thought I had a mummy boot camp for a couple of years, though, instead of money. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you've got a mum, You're doing stuff for your mummy boot camp, all the other mummies. And I, I really hope they're entrepreneurs in the future. But if they're not, that's cool, too. I just, I just think it's cool that they're going to see examples of that and also see examples of, you know, sometimes we do have arguments about stuff. But they know that it's not. It's just like, yeah, well, you know, we're negotiating stuff together and it's tricky.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: How old are your three again? So, Willow's um almost nine and Georgie's six and a half, and then Piper's about four and a half. So cute. Yeah, so two girls and a boy. Oh, so yeah. cute. And you made a decision
0: a little while ago to not share your children on social media anymore. Talk to us
1: about that. Yeah, I think in my early days, I did. I mean, you know, if Willow's like almost nine, nine years ago, I felt like social media was just a little bit more personal around stuff like that. And also you kind of didn't get a sense that it was going out to so many people. And also that's just where I was, I was in it. You know, I'm like, of course I'm doing pictures of me breastfeeding. Cause that's all I'm doing. <laughs> like literally all I'm doing. And I was doing periscopes on Twitter in my car with the kids asleep. And yeah, just, it was just really there. And I, and not to say that it wasn't, some people didn't like that. You know, I remember people, sort of saying, you know, like, I can't get pregnant and I hate the fact that you're sharing your your kids or your baby all the time. Like, it's just, can you consider not doing it? And I remember sort of just going, but that's all I have in my life right now. (laughs) You know, it's just it just felt really natural to share that. And I can't remember exactly when I made the decision. It was probably about maybe two, three years ago when we moved into our new house. And yeah, I was just getting a little bit more recognized places. And I was at an airport. And someone was like, oh, Denise, oh, wow, I, I saw it was you, but I actually saw your daughter first. I recognised your daughter first and then saw you. And I just went, oh, and I went, oh, she hasn't consented to that. Yeah, it was just a little bit, like, and no judgement to anyone sharing pictures of their kids at all. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And so I'm just a bit more mindful, you know, and I'll share like the back of their heads or something like that. But, yeah, it just didn't it just didn't feel right. But I think for me I really like, black and white rules for myself because then I just find it much easier to make decisions. Like, for example, I don't do summits in my business. And so then I don't have to decide if someone goes, oh, please make an exception or I'm your friend. I just go, I don't do summits. And then it's the same for like, oh, I just don't share pictures with my kids. And so it just makes it easier. I will say, though, that my farm is going to be in a magazine soon and they did want pictures of the kids. And so there will be maybe a couple and that was one of the ones I, I agonized over it a little bit and I was like I think that one's it's okay but it's just similarly I don't share a lot of pictures of my house just I think sometimes yeah for safety and yeah and boundaries you know what we we're speaking
0: about at the very start like we get to choose what we share and what we don't share and what's private to us and you know we don't have to share everything we don't have to share our most vulnerable deepest darkest things if we don't want to we can keep those things very sacred and very private. Like I've chosen not to share Bambi's face and, you know, I don't think I've posted a photo of Leo, my stepson. Like, and that's just purely because that's always just what's felt right for me. And there is absolutely zero judgment. And I love when my friends post photos of their babies. I love it so much because I'm like, oh my God, they're so cute. So I love seeing it, but just, I'm like you, it just, Did it feel right for me? And that might
1: change. It might change. Totally. You know, and that's okay too. Well, actually, even Willow said something to me the other day. I was sharing pictures and I had friends in there, and she said, Did you get consent for all of your friends to share that picture? And I went, Wow. Oh, no, I actually didn't. Like, we were at an event together. And she's like, Well, you really shouldn't share it without getting consent because they're learning that at school, which I love. And I actually think they would love to be a little bit more in my stuff. But what's really fascinating at Willow at school, they're starting to learn about the internet, and um, they were learning about Google. So she was googling me, and she googled herself, and she saw that when she was born, she was like baby of the week. You know how sometimes newspapers are like, "Who was born this week?" And it was like, you know, Willow Duffield Thomas, and it was her like weight and height and things like that. And so she saw that right, and then. She was like, she said something. She goes, um, why are people Googling your weight, mum? And I went, what do you mean? Because you know how when you f- start to f- Google, it fills in the things that people are searching for. And some people were searching Denise Duffield Thomas weight loss because I have lost weight, you know, in the last couple of years. And it was a really hard thing to explain to her of going, well, people might be curious. And she's like, but why are they curious? And I was just like, oh, shit, like this is so weird. But she just knows that that stuff's going out into the world now. And it's just a really fascinating, fascinating thing. Totally.
0: Such an interesting, interesting time and world that we live in. So, yeah, I think we've always got to do what feels right and true for us. Yes. In business and in our personal life with our children, always got to do what feels good for us. It's so important. That's what it's got to come back down to. What does it feel like for you? Forget what we've just said, like what resonates with you in business and in life, like always come back to that because when you deter from that, that's when the universe will kind of give you a kick up the bum.
1: Definitely, definitely. And that can change. Yeah, it can absolutely change. And, you know, that's another example. Like I don't talk about my body. You know, I'm sure you've had things like that too, where people want to, you know, comment on your body. And I just think, um, oh, no, I'm just not go- I'm not going to do that. So yeah, you're allowed to, yeah. you're allowed to choose.
0: Totally. And I love what you said before you like, you have these black and white rules and that's, you know, it's the same. We can have that on social media. Like I'm actually not open for discussion around weight, or I'm not open for discussion around whatever it is and my kids or whatever. I think that's really good. So maybe everyone listening can kind of, work out in their business and in your personal life, like what are your rules? What are your boundaries? Because when we have these healthy boundaries in our personal life and in our business, that's what helps us really thrive. You know, I have the same with me. Like I just don't share Bambi's face on social media. So I'm not like umming and Ari, I like your one about the summits. You know, I'm going to think about that too. Interviews, things like that. Invitations for Different things, you know, there's so much that we can
1: say yes to, and then we have to tune in and go, okay, what feels good for us? Yes, absolutely. I'm actually having to do a few more new ones at the moment. I'm getting a lot of requests for like book blurbs. I don't know if you've gotten a lot of those, and I'm like, of course, I want to support your book. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm getting more and more of them, like, you know, several a week kind of thing. And I'm just like, oh, it takes time, you know, so I might have to start putting together a little process for that or a little form you know that's how i, I used to say yes to everything and now i'm like oh give me some more information and that almost goes against my archetype right because i'm i'm a quick start so i'm like yes no and so then it's like oh then i need like someone to check my inbox for me you know or things only go to my business inbox cuz i'll say yes to it so it has to be filtered through someone else to kind of help me help myself in a way There's definitely some new ones for the new year where I'm just like, oh, okay, now we need a process for this.
0: Yes. And it comes back to really knowing what's important to you. Like, that's so important because when you know what's important to you, like, you and I are so similar. Like, if I could say yes to every single thing, I would. Every personal invitation that came to me and every business invitation that came to me, I would say yes, but I physically cannot. And, you know, like even your example of book blurbs, like, yes, I get lots of those requests too and forwards for books. But firstly, I have to read the book. Yes. And then I have like, you know, and reading a book now with a toddler, like I used to read books very quickly. No, I don't read books nowhere near as quickly as I used to Same. because, you know, you've only got these little pockets throughout the day or throughout the week or whenever you do your reading. But and we want
1: to be able to read for our own pleasure too, right? Not for work.
0: Totally. For
1: exactly. So it's like, what are your core values? What's
0: important to you in your business and in your personal life? And then stay true to those. And I really love the money archetypes that you have created. There are
1: eight archetypes. How did you create this? And can you give us... Yes, I didn't create it. So that's the first thing. Um, So the creator of the money archetypes, sacred money archetypes is Kendall Summerhawk who is one of my early mentors, amazing, amazing lady. And so I certified in that, gosh, maybe about five years ago. And I'm just obsessed with it. I'm absolutely obsessed. And so I I created my business course around that framework for each of the archetypes of like what kind of business model would work and what kind of marketing works best and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, for my recent launch, instead of just doing it, teaching it as me, as Denise, which I have previous years, I did eight separate sets, eight separate personalities. Each personality had literally a completely done set with layers of multiple meanings in them and probably about five costumes for each one. And I really felt different when I was sitting in the sets. Like that was the reason why I did it because I wanted to show like, you know, when you're really true to who you are, like it does, and and speak the language of your ideal client. Like it's so, so powerful. But it was just a crazy thing because normally in a launch, you know, you have so many emails to write, you have to do all the videos, but everything was times eight. So instead of doing like, you know, a a three part video series, we did, well, it was four actually, we did four times eight because we did a separate path for each one. We had separate sales emails, we had separate sales videos. So it ended up being like maybe well over a hundred videos. So it was really wild, but it was, it was just such a intensely creative time. I probably shopped for the sets and the costumes for about three months, going to thrift stores and marketplace and, yeah, hired a set designer who's also my best friend and, you know, a stylist. And oh, it was just super, super fun. Wow. And you shot this in your house or did you hire a studio? Well, I was going to hire a studio, but I ended up doing it at my farm. So my farm is, it's just being renovated, but it's, it's quite white, and it can look like a beach house. It can look like Hamptons. It can look like you know a farm. And so we had all these multiple places in the house where we'd you know set up just for that set. Um, and because they were very different, they had a very different color palette. They had different furniture, all that sort of stuff. So it was really fun. And I, it was supposed to be two hours in each set, and it ended up being four in each set cause I completely underestimated how long it would take and how long it would take to you know get changed in between and do all the B roll and stuff like that. But yeah, like even, you know, the chairs were different. The mugs were different for each one. The candles were different. The flowers were different. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. Wow. You're
0: amazing. (laughs) So cool. Yeah. I loved watching your journey with that and loved, you know, the little behind the scenes that you'd post on social media. I was like, you're incredible. You're amazing. And you're doing all of that with three children. I'm just like, you're amazing.
1: Well, I have a lot of help, remember. I really, I really really do. But yeah, this this year was busier than I would normally like. You know, I really try and make things as easy for myself as possible. But this was the year where a lot of my projects kind of converged from last, you know, things that had been kind of pushed. I was like, oh, I won't record my thing this year because I can't get to my film guy and so everything kind of converged at once. I had the new book version that had to come out, so I had to do you know audio for that, all the edits for that, all the promotion for that, um, as well as my normal launch and that launch. And it just was, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do a year like this again in a hurry. All great things, but it just shows though sometimes again that spaciousness that we need to put in between projects because I've always been like everything's going to work out perfectly. You know, and then my video guy's son went to hospital and that's not his fault. So, you know, then that pushed the launch and then the editing guy got COVID and then that pushed the launch and Mark and I were sick and, you know, then our team was sick and we had no childcare. All of those things showed me, I was like, oh, we can't do things back to back. We need more spaciousness. I had to push the launch twice and that even pushed my buttons of going, no, I'm a soldier on show must go on person. You know, and realizing that I had to make that call for the sanity of everybody in the team, that was a new level for me to to deal with as well of going, oh, I'm allowed to choose. Even if I said, you know, it was going to come out here, I can renegotiate this. So it was really good learning, but I'm already looking at next year going and saying no, th- no to things because I, I don't want don't to have another busy year like that. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. What is your definition of success and what do you attribute your success to? Um,
1: My personal one is I just always want freedom. I want freedom to do what I want to do when I do it, not have other people impose their rules on me. And yeah, so that's, that's it for me, you know, and and I've then translated that into, oh, wouldn't it be nice to live by the beach? I want that you know, I want that experience. Wouldn't it be nice to also have a farm? And so it's to be able to have the money to do the things that you want to do as well. You know, and I'm still working towards financial freedom. I could have retired several times over the last couple of years, but then I wanted a bigger house, you know, I wanted to go for some bigger dreams. And so I'm still, you know, I've got a new plan for that, for financial freedom and retirement. That doesn't mean I'll stop working, but I, um, you know, I do always strive for that freedom. And also being able to do good in the world is part of that for me, the freedom to do good in the world. And I think my success, like it's definitely not come down to being perfect or anything like that. its I think I have been really persistent, you know, and I've always had that dream to be financially independent ever since, you know, being a little kid, seeing the struggles that my mom, my grandmother had because they, they weren't financially independent. That was a really strong desire from a young age to make my own money and to not, you know, not be trapped by lack of money. And, and my passion is really helping other people, but particularly women do the same thing because money can absolutely solve problems, help us change the world, but it has to be in the hands of the right people. So that's, that's what I'm really driven by now. What's bringing you the most joy in your life right now? So I've got a little side project that I'm working on. It's really random it's um I'm buying old prom dresses from thrift stores because I love thrifting and I want to make Tudor gowns out of them you know like from the Tudor period (laughs) just for fun and of course I've made it into like a thing that I'm going to do with a friend but yeah just just creativity for creativity's sake I think is really fun and trying not to like Make a business out of it, you know. It's just like just do it for fun. So yeah, that's a that's a fun project I'm working on right now.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. What are you working on within yourself
1: right now that you would like to improve? Mm, Well, doing my memoir course is really tricky for me, so I'm working on improving my writing skills, particularly you know a different genre and what I really aspire to do is to be a prolific writer I'm a real procrastinator with writing I don't know how it was for your books but for mine I was just like you know like I really I love the idea of writing and I always have such beautiful ideas in my head but I would love to just be one of those writers that just sits down every day and writes and I'm really not so yeah that's that's my desire for next year is I want to write a ton more books because I know I've got it in me to be prolific and to have a good system because I've been able to do it with lots of other things, but I just haven't cracked it yet. So, But you do write very long
0: weekly newsletters and blog posts. So there's there's the writing there. But that's come from
1: podcasting. That's coming from speaking it. Got it. So yeah, I haven't haven't nailed it. But I really, really want to. That's my that's my desire. I really would love to write a lot of books over the next couple of years. Yes. So is that something you do?
0: You kind of distribute one piece of content to all different platforms. So do you
1: do a podcast and then that goes to the newsletter and that goes to the blog? Yeah, yeah. And I batch those up. So maybe three times a year, I'll hire a podcast studio. I've got one on Monday, and I might do 15, 20 episodes in one day. And I really like that. I really like just pulling my creativity into small, intense spaces. It's not for everyone, I don't think, but it really helps. And then I don't touch that again. And then it means my team can go and do the transcriptions all at once. They can do all the graphics all at once. It's easier for me because I don't have guests. It's, a, it's obviously harder for you scheduling wise. But I find too now that I just, I, I've done this business for so long, I know what's in scope and what's out of scope. And also, I just like finding the nuances and things that I've talked about a million times. And I also actually go back to some of my old blog posts from like 10 years ago and just go, oh, that was, that was good. I'll just put a new spin on it. But yeah, I, I just like those intense bursts of creativity for me and creating a container for it. Otherwise, I will procrastinate. But I've got a podcast studio and a microphone there. I have to do it. Yes, Totally. Yeah. In the past, I
0: have for my first book, Mastering Your Mango, I went away and locked myself away. This was pre-Bambi. I went away, locked myself away, wrote it in two weeks. Love Um, that. That's all I did. For Open Wide, I wrote it in a month. For Comparisonitis, I wrote that over three months, but I didn't lock myself away. And Purposeful, I wrote in maybe a couple of months as well. But for me, writing, I like doing like that. But I've tried podcasting where I batch with interviews, but you know, mine sometimes go for like an hour and a half. And I was finding I was too drained afterwards. I was just like, woo. So I love hearing that that's what you do. And I know that there's so many other podcasters out there that batch them. And even if they have guests, they batch them. And I'm like, so wish I could do that, but for me right now, and I think because I'm giving so much to Bambi, I don't know, like I just find my energy just i' got I've got
1: one max two in me a day, and then that's it that makes that makes total sense because it's a completely different thing when you're speaking to people, you have to really listen, you know you have to do all that stuff, whereas for me, my episodes are thirty minutes. yeah, so it's so much easier. you know I only really need to do twenty minutes of content because all the intros and outros and stuff like that and so that, that really works for me now. But there's other things that I, you know, I do struggle to batch. Writing for me is the thing that, that I do find hard, you know. So um, everyone's got to find what's easy for them. And because people say to me, how do you talk for a whole day? And I'm like, I've been training for that my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I was told in school to stop talking. So I'm like, that's easy for me. And everyone's just got to find what, what works for them.
0: Absolutely, definitely. If you could put one book, in the school curriculum, in the entire world. Like we want this book to go to every high school student around the world, besides your incredible books, which are amazing by the way. And I'll link to those in the show notes. Truly your books are amazing. I love the way that you write. It's just so digestible. It's so friendly. I feel like, well, I can hear you speaking to me in the book. I love that. And cause I know you, I just love the way that you write and you make everything so digestible and actionable. Like I literally am like, okay, cool. I can do that. So besides
1: your books, what is one book that you would choose? Well, thank you for saying that. Well, I actually did go back to my high school last month, actually. I and saw I just, on your Instagram. Yes. And I was very nervous about it because I was... I don't know. I was just like, oh, teenagers, they're so scary. <laughs> and I was invited because I donated money to their well-being program. So it was for students who needed extra support. And this amazing program, like it makes sure that they eat, you know, that they have breakfast and lunch every day and that they have driving lessons if they need need it or, you know, babysitting for a sibling if they've got Care, you know, responsibilities, things like that. And so, you know, I kind of wanted to give them money, but I didn't want to talk to actual teenagers because I was like, no, I'll just give money. Um, So I went to see them and they were so open and friendly and lovely. And I wanted to teach them EFT. I wanted to teach them tapping because, you know, I was saying to them, you know, I was like really struggling at school for lots of reasons too. And then when I learned this tool, which is really self love and acceptance it changed so much for me. So I want to teach it to you. So I think if we put that into a book form, not even about tapping, but about self-love is Louise Louise Hayes books. Because that for me was a game changer in my twenties where I went, oh my God, I have to just learn to love myself and accept myself. I think that's just so important at a time where you don't feel like you know, you're accepted and loved for who you are. So um, it was fascinating to see too. I spoke to a very small group and they were very open to that. And then I spoke to two separate bigger groups and about half of them were, like half of them were tapping along with me and some of them were kind of a bit sceptical. But I just hope that that lesson goes in for them that, you know, self-love is the answer to everything.
0: A hundred percent. hundred percent. I love that. Now let's talk about how your day looks. Can you talk us through, like, from what time you wake up, like a typical day in your life?
1: Yeah. Well, it um, because I I like to compartmentalize things, right? Again, those black and white rules. So Mark and I take turns getting up with the kids because it used to just be like, oh, you get up or you get up or I got up, yes. And so it's just now it's like it's my turn to get up or it's your turn to get up. And then that way it's fair. I would say though he probably gets up a little bit more than me because sometimes I have early podcasts or if I've got a filming or something, so he does it more than me. So if um if that's the case, we might wake up at four thirty or five o'clock, depending on what time our youngest wakes up. And then I usually might have an interview I try and batch them just Tuesdays and Wednesdays that they're my interview days. And so it really depends for the rest of it. Like Monday is a day where I usually have to catch up on like, you know, going to the Cairo or things like that. I try and make sure I've got a lot of that body care working or I might have a facial. So yeah, Tuesday, Wednesdays I might have three to five interviews. i try and batch those into there. Thursdays, I always go to the movies during the day with one of my business besties. And that feels like a really important thing of just going i'm going to do something outside of work because otherwise i could just work all day and then fridays is usually a little bit of a catch up day if i've got writing or you know like stuff to work on for my course and then on the weekends we um we are either here at the um the beach house or we go to our farm and yeah i would say though like even though i'm not really good at like writing a to do list because i feel like i just know what the structure is you know like i know that i've either got a podcast batching thing each quarter or I'll do some social media batching. But once it's done, it's kind of done. So it's it's usually like whatever project I'm working on. Then I know I just have to work a little bit on that. But I just noticed too I used to have you know interviews all over the place and that didn't really work. So it was just easy for me to batch those things up and compartmentalize and just be like doop, doop, doop. Yeah, I would say the downside to that, I'm a real introvert, so I could just stay at home all day and never leave (laughs) you know so I would love to just say I would go out a little bit more and see people or things like that but I I really don't I'm just like a bit of a homebody um yeah yeah that's it really and so I probably work I probably still do work a little bit too much because I'm on my phone a lot you know and that's hard to sometimes set those boundaries but yeah I really strive not to to be too busy or or too too crazy of course sometimes in launches it is yeah I love that.
0: yeah I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? Yep <laughs> What's one thing that we can do today
1: for our health? Um tapping, I think is just such a good thing e f t because you know if you have that self love, everything comes from that. You know you give yourself permission to to look after yourself and to do the things that you need to do and i I do it with my kids every night too. Because I don't always remember to do it for myself, but I always do it with them every night. And then I have a monthly um, call with someone doing it with me. So I think that's super, super key for everything. Beautiful.
0: It sounds like you've got lots of self care, which I just want to talk about because it's so important as a business owner and as a mama. And it's very easy to push our self care to the bottom of our priority and to do list. And there's so many times throughout this conversation where you've just dropped these little self-care things. And I know for me, I've been on the other end of, I know what burnout feels like. I've been there and it's not fun. I know what adrenal fatigue feels like. It's not fun. So I know the importance of self-care. Can you just talk about some of the other things that you do? Like what else do you do to really on a daily basis to fill yourself up? Because When the mama in the home is thriving, the whole family thrives. And same in the business. Like we've got
1: to be thriving if we want our business to thrive. Oh, absolutely. I would say one thing I'm not good at is eating because I don't always cook and I have ADHD. Sometimes I just, I don't know, I just forget to to eat or forget to cook. So that's a really big thing for us is having Um, help in the home to help us cook and and she makes sure that I actually have breakfast if it's in front of me I'll eat it but if not I'll just forget and then it will be you know lunchtime and I think oh I haven't eaten anything and then I'll just eat like a pack of tubes what's tubes you know tubes those little like they're like burgering (laughs) slash burgering slash cheesels kind of thing like I'll just eat crap if it's not in front of me so we like there's almost like this thing in the family of like you know just make food for Denise and just put it in front of her so that's a really important thing and I really try and make sure I drink a lot of water and so that's really key but I other things to actually even get out of the house so I have a, a Tuesday morning blow dry appointment every single week and like I don't have to have great hair for interviews it doesn't you know but it just is that extra little bit of confidence for me but also it's getting out of the house and having that regular thing because I, I remember in COVID like I would just be like, I can't be bothered washing my hair. And it would just get worse and worse. And I would, it would just make me feel depressed and anxious, really. So even just having that, and then I'll book in regular massages and Cairo every three weeks, like facials. And when I'm there, like, you know, at, at the end of the facial, I always book the next one because otherwise you just don't, you just don't ever feel like it, you know, or you'd be like, oh, that's fine. I remember I, once I went to Cairo and I didn't make the appointment when I left, and I left it for like six months because I just, I was just like, oh, I can't make the phone call. I can't make the phone call. And um, so I just make sure that when I'm there, I book the, the next thing, whether it's a facial, a massage, or Cairo or something like that. I was doing regular yoga for a while with someone coming to the house because the same thing, right? She'd just knock on the door and I, I couldn't run away. <laughs> and that was worth it for me, even though it's more expensive than a membership. I would never use my membership ever. So I need to put things in where it's like accountability, you know, where I won't miss the appointment. But apart from that, like I would say sometimes I'm really like, I'm really bad at taking my makeup off before bed, you know, just little things like that. I could be way, way better with self-care wise, but I just have to make sure that I eat and I drink water and they're the important, they're the really big rocks for me. Otherwise things go a bit haywire. (laughs) Yes.
0: And what about, do you have any sort of meditation practice or breath work? Are you into any of
1: that? No, I'm not. And I don't know if that's just an ADHD thing that makes it hard for me to concentrate, but I find like even just like I'll go to a sauna, for example, and the sauna has like an iPad in there so you can listen to podcasts. So I find like being trapped in a room and just listening to something is really good meditation for me in a way. It'll just. But also driving for me is a, a great way to get ideas. I love really long showers. I find that that really helps for me too, um, because I'm not good at just sitting and having a quiet mind. It's, I really struggle with it, and massages as well. Like massages are great. Like, so it feels like I have to be trapped somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to literally lock me in somewhere where I can't, where I can't be on my phone. That's a really key thing for me is being away from my phone for a little bit. Yes. Yes. Mm. So important.
0: Yeah. Okay, going back to our other two rapid fires, um, (laughs) what is one thing that we can do for more wealth in our life?
1: Pay attention to money and realize that all money is money, right? And I love the mean girl thing here because some people mean girl their money, right? They go, that doesn't count because that was too easy or that doesn't count because of xyz and we really compartmentalize money and say this is real and this is not real this is valid this is not valid and really pay attention and be friends with money you know and just to be like all money is welcome and then you can learn to play with that and go okay now I want to direct money from my business now I want to direct money from this way now I want to play with bigger numbers but it starts with paying attention to all money and like I found 20 cents yesterday and I was like, oh, 20 cents. Oh, I'm so lucky. And it's, it's those little things that add up to the big things, not mean going your money. I love that. I love that. You know, some people would just throw that away,
0: you know, throw that five cents or 20 cents away. Like I've seen that, but no, like
1: give gratitude for it. Cause some people don't, you know, they would love that. Absolutely. And it's, and part of that too is then being okay to look at your money and to ask for it and to chase up invoices and being, you know, paying your own bills when you get them. Things like that about just having a more respectful relationship with money and realizing it's a tool that you can use, you know, to create more ease in your life and other people's lives. And not um, like it's only a greedy tool when greedy, horrible people have money, right? It's quite a neutral tool. And so it starts with that. You know, even when I had no money, I would like, <laughs> I had this thing where I'd like plant little seeds. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to plant like a five cents. I'm going to put it somewhere for somebody to find. And it felt, made me feel really generous to be able to do that and really practicing generosity because then it makes you feel like you've got more to give. You know, you're so generous you can afford to give. And I've always played those little tricks with myself, even from when I had no money. One thing I do when I fill um, my car up with petrol, I imagine that that's my bank account. And because, you know, when people sit there and they get so stressed about, you know, oh my God, look how much money, you know, this petrol is costing me. I would do that. And when I was super broken, I'd just be like, imagine if that was my bank account going up, up, up. That feels so good. Um, and just switching those little things around so you're not feeling scarce, you're not feeling fear about money and instead becomes a, a good thing, a happy thing for you.
0: Oh, I love that. That's such a good little tip to do. Like watch it, just going up and up and up and up and up and be grateful and feel grateful for that. I love filling up the car with petrol because it's a moment for me to just stop and pause and you can't be on your phone. And I just like it. I just like standing there and just being, you know, it's so, it's such a nice little moment. Yeah. It's such an, I mean, I don't love the fumes, definitely don't love the fumes, but it's just a moment. Like I can't be filling up the petrol and being on the phone at the same time. So it's just a moment to just stop and pause and reflect and, And now you've added this little extra tip to just watch it and just feel like you're filling up your bank account. So I love that.
1: Yeah, that'll be so fun. And, you know, you could be like, oh, that's how much money I'm making from passive income or from my book royalties. And, yeah, it's it's a nice little anchor. Beautiful. What is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Oh, yeah, right. It has to come, again, from inside. So I love mirror work. I think that's really powerful for self-love because, yeah, I think we need to do that to be able to really receive love from other people and it's something I I have to practice a lot. You know, I've got a very loving husband and I still struggle sometimes with receiving that love because then I know that I have to do some more work on myself, right, and my self-love and my, my inner criticism. Yeah, Absolutely. This has been so amazing.
0: I love chatting with you. I could chat with you for hours. Is there anything else that you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom? Yes. I think
1: it's just this feeling of when you see somebody that is successful or you see someone who has something that you want is to ask yourself, why not me? And, you know, just why not me? I can do it. Nobody can stop me. And It might even be a really great way to uncover some of the beliefs that you might have about yourself, right? Because you might go, well, because I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm whatever, but just constantly coming back to that and going, well, why not me? I can have that if I want. And um, surround yourself with people who are in that success game and you will see it normalized for yourself. Why not me? Why not me? I think um, it can be a very powerful question to ask yourself. Mm, I love that
0: you are such a light. I absolutely love chatting with you. I love the work that you're doing. I think you are just changing so many lives. I've loved watching your evolution over the past 10 plus years and just think you are incredible and all the work that you're doing is incredible. So thank thank you for being
1: here and for being in my world you as well. I love whenever I see your book on the bookshelf, I always just, I just, I'm so proud, right? I'm so proud to know you. And and it's just like, oh, wow, that's so cool. I see it everywhere, literally everywhere. So you have to be super proud of that too. So thank you. Thank you for having me back. I appreciate it. And now I'm ha- I'm actually heading to my farm after this because we're having a garage sale this weekend from, you know, all the antiques and stuff we've been collecting over the last couple of years that we don't need. And it's so funny because I keep on seeing things and want to save them. I'm like, no, not that thing. And then I'm like, mm, we haven't used. Okay. So it's gonna be a really interesting money experience for me over the over the weekend of selling selling things. A <laughs> garage sale. Enjoy. Enjoy. Soak
0: it up. This is this Thank is amazing. You. Thank you so much for being here and for all of your wisdom and knowledge. You're just such a light in the world. I'm so grateful to know you. Ditto. Thank you. I loved this conversation. I always love talking about business and babies and how people dance between the two. So I got a lot out of this conversation and I truly hope that you did too. And if you loved this conversation, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will pop up in your feed like magic so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. Now, please come and tell me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini what you got from this episode and tell me what other episodes you want to hear from me. Come and share with me. I would love to meet you and I'd love to hear from you. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, Don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy
1: isn't a dirty word.